0: Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This talk kicks off our three-week teaching series, Who?, We'll we look at three different people in the lineage of Christ. This week, Eric talks about Judah and his life of sin. When you hear Judah's story, you can't help but ask the question, who? That person was in the family line of Jesus? Join us for the next three weeks as we look at unexpected people who had surprising impact. Welcome to our Christmas series called, Who? And you can't just say that anyway. It can't be just like, who? You gotta lean into it a bit. Who? Put a scowl on your face. Who? As a matter of fact, we're gonna practice this together. So on the count of three, I want everybody to say, who? The right way. Are you ready? One, two, three. Oh, come on, I think we can do better than that. Say it loud. Say it proud. One, two, three. Who? And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at a few different who characters. In the book of Matthew, which is in the Bible, we find a fascinating list. And it's fascinating for one particular reason. And here's the reason. It's the fact that God doesn't hide the people in his family that we might hide if they were a part of our family. I mean, God just doesn't do that. He does not hide the people in his family. I think we all would probably hide some individuals in our families if we had to tell the whole story, like we would just keep them a secret. Raise your hand if you have somebody in your family like that. Yeah, and if you didn't raise your hand you might be that family member. I don't know. Maybe. And because God is over this whole thing, it would be so easy for him to not share with us that uncle or that cousin or that whoever. But that's not what happens here. We get the whole story. We get all of the individuals, even the strange ones, And it's pretty intense. The first who character that we're going to look at is a guy by the name of Judah. And there are so many things that we learn from his life. Here's our big idea for today. This Christmas, start a new journey of being a real person who embraces humility. That's what what it's about. This Christmas, become a real person who chooses to embrace humility. And this is exactly what we find from the life and the story of this guy named Judah. So we've got this amazing list in Matthew chapter one. And I'd like for you to listen as I read, starting in verse one, it says this. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David end of Abraham. So let's pause there for a moment because our writer here named Matthew is basically trying to build the case that Jesus really is the Messiah and that he is totally legit. And for his crowd back in that day, if anybody was talking about the Messiah, the chosen one, they would have to show that there was a connection to David and to Abraham. They had to be part of that family. And if they weren't, then there is no possible way that they could be the Messiah. David gets this, or Matthew gets this. He knows this. He's aware of this. And so he begins to build the case. This guy, he's legit. He is the Messiah because he has a connection to David and to Abraham. Here's verse two Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac was the father of Jacob, Jacob was the father of Judah. There's our guy. And his brothers, and Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. And from that family line, we discover that Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Now, I want to be real honest with you and say that this series is a huge challenge. And here's why it's a challenge. It's because it would be so much easier just to skip over all of these strange individuals and not talk about them because it's scandalous. I mean, it's troubling. It's very dark what you discover here. It's not very Christmassy, if you know what I mean. As a matter of fact, I can pretty much guarantee that at your Christmas gatherings this year, you are not gonna sit down with anybody and say, Yeah, let's have a meaningful conversation about Judah or Rahab or Bathsheba. I mean, that's just not going to happen. And so I really struggled if we should even talk about this at all. And then I became convinced that we have to talk about this. We have to talk about it because Jesus doesn't hide the people in his family. As a matter of fact, he shares these people with us because he wants us to know That people are the point of the story. They're the whole reason that he came. People are the point of the rescue plan of Jesus. In Genesis chapter 38, we actually find the story of Judah and his life. And there are a few things that we need to know about him. So here's a couple of facts. First of all, he sold his brother into slavery, and he lied about it. This is our guy. Sold his brother into slavery, and then he lied about it. Judah was part of a very big family. There are many, many brothers in that family. One of the brothers' name was Joseph. You might know Joseph from the amazing Technicolor Dream Code. Yeah, it's that guy. Judah is his older brother. And the family's not too cracked up about this little guy who seems to get everything. And so while they're out one day, they decide that we're going to sell him down the road into slavery. It's logical, isn't it? Hate your brother, just ship him. That's no big deal. And that's what they chose to do. And then they covered it all up by going back to their father and saying, Dad, you're not going to believe this, but Joseph... Yeah, he got eaten by a bunch of wild animals, and we're never going to see him again. It is lights out for him. And they perpetuated that lie for years. This is Judah. And most of the time, we focus on the story of Joseph. In chapter 37, we have Joseph being sold into slavery. And then in chapters 39 and beyond, we have the amazing story of his life and how he rose into power and he saved his family, and he saved the then-known world because Joseph was an amazing leader. But after chapter 37, and before chapters 39 and following, we have Genesis 38, and in that one chapter, we find the story of Judah and his family, a guy who sold his brother into slavery And lied to his father about it. Well, here's what else we discover. He was careless with his own family. I mean, totally careless. Eventually, Judah gets married. And he has three sons. Ur, Onan, and Shema. Three guys. And Ur kind of grows up. And Judah does what any father would do in that culture, which was normal. And not anything too crazy. He went out and he found a wife for his son. Her name was Tamar. So Tamar marries Ur. But scripture has something very interesting to say about Ur. Scripture tells us that he was evil and wicked. Ur's not a very good guy. And Ur dies. So Tamar has no husband. And she had no children with him. Now, this might seem very strange to all of us, but it was normal and part of their culture where the next son would marry Tamar so that they could have children and they could carry on the family name because that was kind of a big deal. And so Tamar marries Onan. And scripture tells us this about Onan. He was evil and he was wicked. He was not a nice guy. And Onan dies and so Tamar has no husband, and she still has no children, nobody to carry on the family name. Normally, this would bother an individual like Judah, but he gets a little freaked out and a little tipped over that this girl is killing everybody in my entire family. So I'm not so sure about this. I don't know if I want to give my last son to her. This might not be a good idea. And so Judah has an awkward conversation with Tamar, In Genesis chapter 38, verse 11, then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, go back to your parents' home and remain a widow until my son Shelah is old enough to marry you. But Judah didn't really intend to do this because he was afraid Shelah would also die like his two brothers. So Tamar went back to live in her father's home. So Judah's like, this girl's bad news for us. We need to be a stranger to her. So just go away. Just go away. And that all sounds kind of innocent. Go back and live with your family. But basically, Judah sent his daughter-in-law packing. He was careless with his own family. In addition to all of that, he was extremely self-righteous. And this is where the story gets interesting and a little bizarre. So some time passes and Judah's own wife dies. And so he's out and about on the town having a great time and he spots a prostitute and he propositions her. What he didn't know is that that prostitute was his daughter-in-law named Tamar who was dressed up in disguise. He had no idea it was her. And so they get together and he promises to pay her a goat for her services. I guess that was the going rate for that kind of thing back in the day. They made that arrangement, they slept together, and Judah gets ready to leave. Except he realizes, I don't have a goat on me. It's not here. So I'm going to leave you my ring, that's what he told her. And I'm going to leave you a piece of thread from my jacket. And I'm going to leave you my staff. These are things that identify me. I'll give them to you, and then I'll come back, give you the goat, and you can give me my stuff back. So they agreed on that, and it was all good. Judah leaves. A few days later, he asks one of his friends to deliver the goat to the prostitute. Judah probably didn't want to go out on his own, filled with embarrassment and shame over that whole thing, and he didn't even know the whole story at this point. So he sends out a friend to do his dirty work. The friend takes the goat, and he begins to look for this girl, except he can't find her because she doesn't really exist. He asks around, nobody knows who this girl is. And so the friend brings the goat back to Judah and says, here's your goat, I can't find the girl. Judah's like, whatever, I guess you'll just have to keep my stuff. No big deal. Three months later, some friends come to Judah and say, look, you've got a family situation here. You have a significant problem because your daughter-in-law Tamar who has not been married since the last son died, she's pregnant. What are you going to do about it? And this is where Judah gets really self-righteous. And this is what he declares to that crowd in verse 24. He says, bring her out and let her be burned, Judah demanded. He's so self-righteous. But as they were taking her out to kill her. I mean, this whole thing is in motion here. She sent this message to her father-in-law. The man who owns these things made me pregnant. Look closely. Whose seal or ring and cord and walking stick are these? Judah recognized them immediately and said, She is more righteous than I am. And in a unique way, That can't even really be explained. God took this event and he took this failure, this extreme failure that Judah walked through and he put Judah on a whole new path. But here's where it started. Here's the key. For Judah and for all of us, it's humility. See, Judah was humbled in a disastrous way And God used that to make him a better man and God used that to turn him into a leader. This whole event here put Judah on a whole new path and it was a very good path. So let's ask this question. What does this have to do with Christmas, right? I mean, we've got goats and all kinds of crazy things. I mean, this is a little bizarre. What does this have to do with Christmas? It actually has a lot to do with Christmas because Judah, Tamar, they're part of the story. They're part of God's family. And even in the middle of disastrous events, even in the middle of scandal and dark things that were happening, God was not finished with their story. And as you sit here today, whatever it is that you've walked through, whatever it is that you've experienced, no matter how bad it is or mediocre or whatever that looks like, God is not done writing your story. He's not done. And so what I want to do throughout Who is look at some different characters and then share some Christmas next steps with all of us, things that we can do right away. So here's next step number one this Christmas, don't fear starting a new journey. Just don't fear that. Don't fear starting a new journey. Judah had to walk through that, and it turned out to be a very good thing. And you don't have to fear starting a new journey. Now, think about this for a moment. We fear the future. I know I do. I have six kids. And I worry about what that's going to look like for them. And I worry about the choices that they're going to make along the way. And I want them to be successful and have wonderful lives. And I worry about that. And sometimes you get so consumed with worry that you can hardly move. I worry about the future. And maybe you do as well. Not only do we worry about the future, we also worry about the past. I think it's fair to say that we probably all have baggage. We probably all have stuff back there that we don't want anybody to know about. Secrets that we keep inside, and we don't want that displayed, and that is part of our past. And so we fear the past because of what's there and what people might discover, and we fear the future because of what might happen there. And when we do that, when we fear the future and we fear the past, We forget about the present, the only moment in time where we have some actual control. So here's the plea, here's the cry, here's the challenge. In this moment, on this day, this Christmas, don't be afraid of starting a new journey. You have control over this and what the rest of your story may look like. What does it even mean to start a new journey? Well, maybe for some of you, that journey involves trusting in Christ for the very first time and handing over control of your life to him. And you've heard us talk about that. You've watched other people do that, but it isn't something that you've ever done in your life. And you've kind of pushed him out and you've neglected to do that because it's just not something that you want in your life. And maybe it's just time to stop and to ask Christ to come into your life and be your leader and be your forgiver and trust in him alone and not add anything else to that. Maybe that's the new journey at this point in time on this Christmas that you need to start. Maybe that new journey involves living beyond shame. Maybe you've trusted in Christ and you've done that and you're good to go there. So maybe that new journey for you involves living beyond all the shame in your life. Because again, we all have that stuff. We all have that baggage. We all have a past. And maybe it's just time to start a new journey of living beyond that. See, here's what we do sometimes. We allow the past to eat our future. And when that happens, we become isolated and dysfunctional and crabby, and we push people away. And that is not a very good place to be. Think about this for a moment. This is not the end for Judah. If anybody's had a rough life and a crazy, bizarre past, it's Judah. I mean, think about some of the things that he's done and some of the things that he's been involved in. And yet God still confronted him. He got humble and God put him on a whole new path. And if God can do that with somebody like Judah and the things that he was involved in, which are pretty gross and pretty disgusting and pretty scandalous, then certainly he can do that for you. And maybe it's just time to live beyond shame. For Judah, he fathers a couple of twins. And God, in his grace and in his mercy, blesses those boys and one of those boys grows up to be part of the family of Jesus, along with Judah, along with Tamar. The whole brother that he sold into slavery, Judah actually gets the opportunity to lead out on getting back with them and restoring that relationship and bringing peace and forgiveness into that family. Who? Judah? Yeah, God used somebody like him after a disastrous life. Put him on a whole new path and he can do the same for you. But it involves the choice of living beyond shame. Maybe that's the new journey for you. Maybe you've been letting your past eat your future. It's time to stop that. Let it go. Allow God to put you on that new path and live beyond shame. Maybe that new journey... Involves initiating peace in your own family. You know, it seems that Christmas can be a time that is very hard on families. Families are increasingly more dysfunctional and there's no peace. And it seems like we sometimes do not look forward to everything that has to happen and all the people that we have to get together with over the holidays because we really don't like them. So maybe this Christmas, that new start for you, that new journey... Involves initiating peace into your family. See, somebody has to take that first step. Somebody's got to do that. And maybe God wants that to be you. I doubt you've sold any of your family members into slavery. It probably hasn't happened. So if Judah can get back together with his family and make it happen, maybe that start for you is to initiate this thing and bring peace into your family. But here's what it takes. Here's the key, humility. See, God humbled Judah in an extreme way, and it worked, and he embraced that, started a whole new life. And God used his life to have influence and impact over the lives of others, and he can, and he will do the same for you if you chase humility. Here's next step, number two. This Christmas, give your grief, your disillusionment, and your disappointment to God. Just hand it all over to Him. There are some amazing words found in Matthew chapter 11. This is actually Jesus talking here. And He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's fair to say that in this room, there are many of us walking around with grief and disillusionment and disappointment. Maybe that grief is over some type of loss, relationally. And you're still hurting from that, and it's a hard thing. Maybe that grief is over some type of loss, financially. And you're trying to figure out how to get that back so you can hear the Lexus song at some point during your Christmas break. You're trying to figure that out. It's just a great, great loss. Maybe that grief is over the fact that the 76ers haven't started their basketball season yet. I know there's a lot of pent-up frustration over that. Maybe that grief is over the fact that the Eagles are four and eight. Maybe that's where it lies. Maybe it's disillusionment over your current job. Maybe it's disillusionment over your hopes and your dreams, and you're beginning to realize that some of those things are never going to happen. It's not going to work out for you. Maybe it's disappointment that 2011 just hasn't been your year. For whatever reason, it just hasn't worked out for you. What are you going to do with all that stuff? What are you going to do with the grief, disillusionment, and disappointment in your life? They really have two options. You can take all of that and you can carry it yourself and allow the load of that to absolutely crush you. You can do that, or you can give all of that to God who says, I will. Here's what I will do for you. I will give you rest. You know, maybe you've tried that. Maybe you've done the whole God thing, and you've given grief and disillusionment and disappointment to him. And now it seems that you have more grief, more disillusionment, and more disappointment in your life. Well, try it again. Try it again, because Jesus said, I will. I will give you rest. It's not a high probability that I'll do this. It's not if everything lines up, maybe I'll offer this to you. Now, Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. Come to me, and I will give you rest. You need some rest? Does that sound good to you? Sounded good to Judah. And he ran after that and he placed all of that stuff on the shoulders of a loving and a forgiving God who put him on a whole new path and wrote a different story for the life of Judah. This Christmas, in this moment, don't fear starting a new journey Just don't fear that at all. That will give you the opportunity to have a different kind of life simply because you embraced humility. Who? Judah? Are you kidding me? God used this character with all of his flaws and all the things that he did? God actually used his life? You bet he did. Judah. He's the point of the story. And so are you. Father, we come to you and we're so thankful for a few moments to look at a pretty intense story. A story that we don't always think about. And we don't even always consider to be part of Christmas. But yet, God, it's there. And you didn't hide it and you didn't hide the people. And so we're not going to either. We're going to talk about them and their flaws and how you took all of that and gave these who individuals a fresh start. God, I believe you want to do the same for all of us. It's totally possible. You even tell us, come to me. Come to me. Come to me, and I will. I will give you rest. And so, God, I pray for everybody in this room. I pray that you give us courage as we walk out of here in just a bit and face this crazy month with so many things happening, so many places to be, so many people to see and things to buy. And sometimes that just kind of crashes in on us. God, I pray that you'd help us to not fear starting that new journey. Help us not to be, become consumed with fear of the future fear of the past. God, help us to focus on making some wise choices today. God, help all of us. Help me, help everybody here to be humble. Help us to come clean, to live beyond shame and not allow the past to eat our future. God, challenge us and help us to make some great choices, we do pray. In Jesus' name, amen well thank you for listening we'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 915 and A. M.